Ladies and gentlemen, good day to you. You are listening to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast, your favorite podcast, which features the open, hopefully open-minded musings of two late, mid to late 40s curmudgeons. Highly 40s. Highly 40s. That's a good one. Highly 40s. Extremely 40s. Uh, grappling with the reality of their entertainment irrelevance. Thank you for joining us for this session of grappling. I am your co-host. Uh, my name is Noah Tarno. I am the founder and senior quiz master of the Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show spectacular. And my partner in this endeavor will be saying hello right now. Say hello, fella. I am also Bill Scurry. Uh, I am the founder and proprietor of something called American Caesar Enterprises, which Noah, uh, I don't know if you were aware. Uh, but we are the original pizziola upon which the image uh, on every flat box of Neapolitan was based. Oh, so the guy who says you've tried the rest, now try the best? Yeah, that's us. That's you? Yeah, we're, we're that guy. Okay. For those of you who don't know, I think that's that was more of an 80s thing, but I remember it. And back in the 80s, every you know how still the pizza boxes have like a generic image? Out here, I feel like everywhere in San Francisco, it's this like scene of these chefs cooking pizza in like a brick kitchen and they're very funny looking caricatures they're like the ugliest guys you've ever seen but back in the 80s it was always a bad drawing of one big italian pizza guy and he'd say you've tried the rest now try the best and i thought i thought it was ironic that every pizza place said that (laughs) (laughs) well maybe they were all vertical maybe it was one family that owned every single pizzeria from from long island to jersey to, to connecticut you know i remember uh when i grew up in new jersey um there was one place near me. I can't remember the names. Uh, there was a pizza place that everyone went to, everyone liked. You know, you'd go, you'd get your pizza, whatever. And I mean, I guess you had it delivered. But there was another smaller pizza place in the parking lot that no one ever went in or out. So the story was that that place was uh, a mob uh, money laundering operation just just a slush, ha- just a slush front right how do you open a pizza place in the parking lot of it it's like it's a starbucks you know so that was the legend in in the suburban new jersey look we, new we jersey. both lived in new york for many years um you know and new york is known as the capital of uh, uh of pizza which you know i mean i'm not going to dispute mm-hmm. that what i would add to that though is that um Growing up on Long Island, you know, which about the same proximity, the same distance from New York uh, as you were on the other side of New Jersey, I think, just just about. Um, you know, in the 1950s and 1960s, the flight of people out of the city involved also a lot of Irish and Italians and those sort of people who were, I guess they were entering the middle class at the time. They migrated to a lot of suburbs in Suffolk and Nassau counties, as well as out in Jersey and Connecticut. These were people who took a lot of uh, first-generation pizza-making skills with them. The people who were making the pizza that I grew up with on Long Island, I did not realize how good we had it. When I, came to New- <laughs> when I came to New York, I realized, oh, my God, a lot of the pizza in New York is not very good at all. Because by that no. point, it was third or fourth generation, a lot of Albanian uh, pizza makers. I mean, not that you don't need to be Italian, but it, was, it lacked tradition, and it was really cheap and shoddily made, bad, bad, you know, bad pizza. But the idea of like getting the pizza I grew up with on Long Island in the 80s, I didn't realize that that's where kind of like your stereotypical New York slice went. And it was no longer in New York City unless you hunted around for like the correct You could still, come on. Shitty pizza in New York is still, but like Familia. Remember Familia, which is a little chain in New York? That's Albanian. Familia. 
it's still better than most of the pizza in the United States. And by the way, I'm going to say something. I can't believe this. I'm going to defend Sarah Palin right now. There was a story, I think when she was running for vice president, she came to New York and John Stewart was doing a thing on it and she was being interviewed and she went to Familia with her daughter and oh, she's being yeah, interviewed. Yeah. I'm like, oh, we have pizza. And she said to her daughter, wasn't that pizza really good, sweetie? And John Stewart was making fun of her. I'm like, you know what? She's from fucking Alaska. Familia is tasty. Like, say what you want, but I need a Familia slice right now, right? <laughs> yeah, like, let's I, not get I, on thought, this woman from Alaska saying yeah. to her kid, wasn't that pizza good because she went to Familia, okay? Like, if, I think if, that's perfectly fine. If you're going to start to do Dr. Oz type shit of like identifying with it, like you But somehow... she's not saying she was from New York. She was no, just saying I know. she enjoyed a slice of pizza it, it at get... Familia with her kid. Give right. me a break. It, it would get more cringy if you were trying to like pretend you had some, some stake in it. Like you, you understood what a good slice of pizza world. no she's just saying she enjoyed a piece of fucking pizza jesus yeah. what must must we be speaking of uh right-wing maniacs being victims what a segue there <laughs> good what a it, segue man. nicely done i did it yeah. we went from new york pizza towards so on every sh- uh, at this show we li- we don't look at pizza generally we got to find a pizza topic someday. We got okay. We haven't done a food one in a while, right? That's true. Uh, we look at something that's like happening in the pop culture, popular or big, and we try to make sense of it. And this is a really, I think this is an interesting one, Bill, because this is a hot, hot, hot popular TV show. Yeah. For five, just fifth season just debuted. And part of the issue, it is completely off the radar of, you know, big city, you know, latte sipping liberals like us, which is an issue. Uh, the show is, it's a program on, what is it, on the Paramount Network? Is that Param- what we say? Paramount Plus Network, I believe it's called. Yeah. Paramount Plus. Yeah. Not just Paramount. No, you gotta, Paramount you gotta, Plus. You got to ask for the true coat with that. You want you want the fry. You get the <laughs> <True> plus. <code. laughs> yeah. We're going to throw that in. Uh, Paramount Plus, it has been on a big hit. Fifth season just started. Uh, it is called Yellowstone. 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 Tell us about the provenance. And I, Bill, I had heard of this show, but like I knew next to nothing about it. I'm amazed it's starting its fifth season. So it's about damn time. I know. So tell us about the provenance of Yellowstone. Noah, five seasons in a mere 10 months. How did they manage that kind of breakneck Five pace? years, Bill. Five years. That's what I meant to say. Five years, four years? It debuted in 2018. June, so June of four. 18, yeah. Uh, All right, so four years. Yeah, so Jellystone is a streaming series on Paramount Plus. It's it's Yogi Bear <laughs> toting his guns around his giant actually, ranch. You know what? Doing the Boo Boo is his lawyer. Doing son. the SEO for this, uh, there actually is currently there is a cartoon called Jellystone, which is really a, it is a cartoon that is inclusive of all the Hanna Barbera brands. It's it's not drawn really. For, it's not drawn like Laugh Olympics. I used to love Laugh Olympics. Yeah, so you got like um, who is it? Like one of the genie and Jabberjaw and all of the really? all the every single is Scooby Doo in it. Scooby Doo, they're all in it, but they're not drawn wow. like on the old. it's a new character yeah, model, and it looks very Adult Swim. They're, but, they're like Poochie. They got they got hats on sideways. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yellowstone is a streaming series. As Noah said on Paramount Plus, and as Noah also said, it first. Uh, it's re- not just streaming though. It's on actual terrestrial cable TV. Wait a second. Uh, that that I wasn't sure. Of. I can't corroborate this. Yeah. I, I don't How have. Do you, you, 
trust me, a lot of this audience, you need well, that. No, it's on ba- it's on basic cable. I didn't realize that Paramount yeah. was available as a basic. Oh, yeah, okay. sure. Right. I mean, I don't know. That's what I, what do I know? Well, I, let's put it this 30 way. seconds of research for the show every week. Uh, this nation's dads would have a, a tough time finding this on, on a, a streamer, which is why I was really going to bring this up as a point. But you just, you just, you, cla- you unclouded that for me. Uh, so, yes, also, as Noah said, it first reached the air in June of 2018. Um, yes, and as I in, said with incredulity, it's already at season five, which, no, if you read between the lines, it means they didn't stop to shoot for a single second during pandemic, which is one of the... Oh, that is one of the uh, beauties of, of doing this out in the middle of Missoula, Montana. With It's a, also very thematically appropriate. Correct, correct. Uh, this was Half created, the cast is now dead, but that's okay. Yeah, they all, they all, have, all the old men have long COVID in the show. Just yes, don't, don't yes. pay attention to their coughing off screen. Wes Bentley is on a respirator. Uh, so here's the important uh, thing we're going to keep coming back to over and over again with this show. This was created by movie western mogul taylor sheridan uh this is the cornerstone of his fledgling tv empire uh the show itself has spun off two sequels 1883 and 1923 which i think were designed to be one season apiece they weren't ongoings they were departures if you will they're they're prequels aren't they yeah they're prequels they they, they, they they're they're about the ancestors the Dutton I guess, family the yeah right yeah. uh and taylor sheridan is busy spinning off other ideas i'm sure he's like quite literally digging into the bottom of every notebook and every every single filing cabinet he ever put a single screenplay into it because he's selling everything at this point he's also had a show at jeremy renner called the mayor of kingstown which people liked and tulsa king uh with Steph, sylvester stallone just came out i would say in the last the ads week. for that yeah. it's brand new it's, this guy is a factory uh no he's the white tyler perry if you will think of that uh put that does he in. does he wear drag in this show yeah, he's got. He's gonna. He's, he's the Medea figure in this. He's the Medea of of red of, state of entertainment, ranch, ranching entertainment, ranch exploitation. <laughs> uh, so this series, hell, am I telling anybody something they don't already know? There's a good chance you already watched this. In but but here's, that's the point, Bill. Is a lot of people in our circle, a lot of you know the the, the liberal intelligentsia don't know about this show. But a lot of them I had do. barely heard of this show. Like, I had a conversation via text with our old friend Amanda Swavey, uh, Kuda Swavey, the, the friend of the program. And I might have expected, because she, she's an omnivorous TV uh, eater, uh, she she had a deep knowledge of this. She was very enthusiastic about it. And she said, if I had any questions, which I ultimately I just finished my research not too far before, I would have uh, talked to her a little more. We probably will have a conversation offline. But... Uh, she piped up and said, I've been watching it. Our old friend James Hancock, friend of the program, curator of the, of the Wrong Real podcast, has, has, he's watched everything. Yeah. You'd be Aaron surprised. Grunfeld, of all people, suggested. There's a, there's a bigger footprint in urbanity, yeah. in, in, in the uh, cosmopolitan aesthetic uh, uh, urbanity that you would not think. It, look, you don't get to be this big. Yeah, but, but without... there's less than shows like Succession, which it's been compared to. Yeah. And Succession is far smaller viewership. Well, Succession, here's the thing. This is this is pan appeal in that you got you got your red state flyover people and you got your blue state city people who can watch this. Well, Succession doesn't travel the other way around where you don't get people in the middle of Missouri don't watch Succession. Only I don't know. People, I mean, why the, not? Why why can't well, they? Well, because I they mean, don't. What it's, is this bullshit that they can't watch things that aren't about themselves? You're like, asking me, I don't have the answer to that. I but, mean, who's 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 living in a bubble then? Okay, back 
to the description, just in case you don't <laughs> know what this is. Yeah, this is giving a preview of my thoughts about this yeah. show, but go ahead. So Jellystone follows the tribulations of a very Lear-esque figure. That's kind of the theme here. This guy named John Dutton. Lear, Not Norman Lear, but yeah, King Lear. Norman. Yeah. King Norman Lear. <laughs> Norman Lear. Yeah, he's 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 sitting on his couch in Queens. And, oh uh, the lead actor is played uh, uh, is Kevin Costner, who you may know yes. from such movies as uh, Two Days to Kill. I'm, tr- <laughs> I'm trying to pull something that you wouldn't know him from because he's made a lot swing of swing votes. Uh, Kevin Costner's character is a big time Montana rancher with numerous pressures, both external and internal, pressing on his massive land empire. His three grown children squabble with each other as they serve the vast family concern. Doesn't he have four children? Well, one of them. Well, is that a spoiler? Uh, one of them. In the first episode, you meet four of his children. Well, one, yeah. Okay. But the, he's dead. One of them is dead instantly. I oh, forget I it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Anyway. We're going to give away a lot of stuff. That's By it. the way, we should tell you now, we're going to give away a lot. Okay? Yeah, yeah. I, I think people understand that. I, um, I watched the first episode of the first season and the first two episodes of the latest season. Bill, you watched the entire first season. I watched right? nine episodes of the first season. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now, here's the thing. There is a sprawling cast of characters uh, between the, the what, what the show is, the, you know, the Yellowstone Ranch itself is, the, is, is in the fictional setting, the largest ranch in Montana. It's, it's the, the size of Rhode Island. As they call it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's called, the, yeah, the Yellowstone, like I said. The, the plot uh, itself revolves around the family drama at the ranch. There's a bordering uh, res, which is very vividly brought to life. This is one of those things I think that the creator Taylor Sheridan, who has taken great pains to make uh, Native Americans, uh, to, to tell that story, grittiness, warts and all, because it, it is really underserved, even though there is kind of like a, a little wa- a wavelet right now, Native American uh, storytelling. It, there's this is not one of the this is not a happy uplifting part this is like the horrible health and the sort of like you know uh, uh, privation of living on the res um Fine. Also, i still don't think he served i still don't think he serves them well but i'll get oh, to that you know we'll get to that uh yeah. there's a national park there's developers there's i'd say a lot of stock things that have been floating around in entertainment for a while um, so the team that brings this thing to air is Sheridan, who's the uh, he's the uh, the mogul behind all these things. Costner himself is an executive producer. I think you couldn't get this to the air unless he had somebody like Costner, who's an evergreen talent, um, affixed to it to sell it. Uh, Paramount Plus was very hungry to get this. This was the first series that they actually uh, greenlighted. Uh, and the secret weapons to get on the air are the Linson father and son, Pear and Feel, Fils, Fils, I believe it's in French. Art Linson is an old school, uh, he's an old school uh, uh, movie producer. He goes back, he worked with Scorsese. So they had their thumb on the scale of like getting this thing sold. Budget is $3.5 million an episode. So And it goes wow. a long way when you're shooting on location in Montana and Utah. And as Noah was indicating, this thing has, it, it just, I think the first two episodes of season five are out. And it's shot at the gate with a ratings record for the premiere. is a cumulative viewership of 1, 2.1 million, 12. Over 12 million live plus same day viewers, the biggest overnight launch yet for the mm-hmm. show. It's also up double digits over itself in all the demos. Again, attesting to what Noah said. It's 52% growing amongst adults 18 to 34, delivering a cumulative 5.6 rating among adults 18 to 49. Another important demo. Somehow, yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's moving earth. It's moving heaven and earth out there. And, you know, it's going to be on us, Noah, for the next... Uh, 35 to 40 minutes to figure out exactly why that is. So uh, please, open the floodgates and let the cattle out. What's going yes. on? 
Well, I checked. It's on the Paramount Network, which is a cable network. So okay. you can watch it on your old RCA. Set top. Yeah, your, yes. <laughs> your, your old Zenith. Your is Zenith still in business? I just don't remember. I just remember being a kid. Our TV was Zenith. For some reason, that sticks with me. Quasar. Uh, yeah. So what do I think? Uh, I, look, I'm ashamed I had barely heard of this. It does not speak well to my cultural knowledge. Um, you know, we're all in our bubbles and there's a lot to chew on here. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts about this and there really should be, I first learned about this because, um, Rebecca Onion, who's a writer on Slate. I really like Slate a lot. She is a big fan of the show and she's written several think pieces about it. I'm going to quote her a few times here. I think she really hits the nail on the head. Uh, but you know, she's like, look, why aren't there more think pieces about this? There really should be. And it just shows you how TV critics are. You know, they write a thousand things. I, I remember when The Sopranos was on and everyone in our circle, all we talked about was The Sopranos and are like, it still gets, you know, one one hundredth of viewership of Blue Bloods or whatever, or whatever that show with Tom Selleck was. Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, yeah. Blue Bloods? Okay. Yeah. I, I, some other, anyway, the, or, or Jag or whatever was on at the time. The point is like, you know, just because it's what's being written about in the places we read news doesn't mean it's what everyone is watching. Um, so this is... I don't know if you actually explicitly said this, but this is a Western. Um, and it has a lot of the great qualities of the Western genre. There is gorgeous scenery. I mean, it is beautiful out there. I've driven through Montana, but I haven't really seen it. And and I've been to Yellowstone National Park. Um, and it's just amazing land. And it's just the ranch and the vistas and... Uh, the action feels very westerny. There's just scenes of people roping horses and chasing horse thieves, and there's a there's a really nice scene in the very first episode of a calf being born, which feels very you know not that I've ever calved, but uh, it feels very gritty and real and honest to what a calf coming out of a you know a supine cow is like. Um, the music feels mostly like genuine country music and not the bullshit pop music with, you know, beer that is passes for country music now. So this is not generally my aesthetic. I'm not really a Western guy. I've never been, really been into Western music or the cowboy archetype, but I can really appreciate it. And it's a big part of the American storytelling tradition, the Western. And it, you know, deserves a prime place in pop culture. There aren't enough modern Westerns out there. And as I said, there aren't enough think pieces talking about Westerns. So, you know, I'm glad that there's a Western that's popular because it should be. This is America. Uh, and also it's a soap opera. You know, it's soapy. It's supposed to be. The stories are over the top. The characters are broadly sketched. There's a ton of melodrama. And that's fine. There's a place for that. Soap opera, you know, with the Western, it should be part of the American storytelling tradition. So, you know, if I'm going to, if at some point I criticize the storytelling or the characters, take that with a grain of salt because it's soapy. What the hell do you want? Right? Uh, it's supposed to be that way. But I don't think this is a this is an especially successful Western or soap opera to the extent I can evaluate those things fairly. Uh, partly because I think the acting is awful. Uh, I've never thought Kevin Costner was great, you know? I remember loving Dances with Wolves, but he, he's he wasn't a type, the reason man. why. He's a type, for sure. He's just, he's very, I feel like he's two note, uh, the number two. Two notes on this show. He's either angry or sad, and that's yeah. it. He thinks he's uh, Gary Cooper. A, he's always thought he's the real Yeah, the strong Gary silent. Cooper. I mean, literally, this is yeah. like... Yeah, 
it's, pushing it, him up as the strong a, silent it's type. It's a conscious right. decision. It has been since he came right. out of the box. He, he, he's barely doing anything here. Uh, uh, one of his sons, the lawyer's son, is played by Wes Bentley, the poor man's uh, Tobey Maguire. Uh, he always looks angry. He's pretty one-note. You know and the character after after uh, American Beauty, you know, he fell down. A, he was a heroin addict for about a decade. He he literally went really? down the toilet. Yeah, he he missed a lot of time. He was on American Horror Story. That was his big comeback. Yeah, right? as he came back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I just whatever. Uh, and then the character who gets the most discussion online is the daughter of the Dutton family, uh, Beth, who's played by a British actress, not a Montanan native. Uh, a British actress named Kelly Riley, who looks pretty British to me. And look, a lot of the hate she gets online is sexist. You know, it's like when people used to hate on uh, Anna Gunn on Breaking Bad, Skyler, which I thought was totally unfair. I thought she did a great job on that. But I think Kelly Riley as Beth is really tiresome and annoying. Look, it might not be her fault. I think this is poorly written in that regard. She's the ultimate femme fatale cliche. She's mean to everyone. She always has a smart line. She's damaged, but she's hyper competent. She's sexually keyed up, but you know, not at all uh, affectionate. You know, in the first episode, she she randomly, not randomly, she fucks a guy, aggressively fucks a guy, like says "fuck me," and they fuck on like a table, and then she immediately like mocks the size of his dick. Uh, she's rude to everyone, but she's never wrong, right? One of those things. Um, but the worst part of the show, and here we go, folks, uh, is the show is very political. And I have a lot of problems with this political mess- with its political message. And by the way, folks, I'm going to give some big spoilers for season five. So if you don't want to be spoiled on the big plot point of beginning of season five, which is an everything piece, shut this off. Uh, you, when we were texting yesterday... Uh, you described to me as Sopranos for Trump voters. And I don't think that's accurate. I think it's a lot soapier. Apart from the fact I think it's much worse than The Sopranos. I think it's a lot soapier than The Sopranos. Um, But this show is so conservative. In the modern sense of conservative, the modern Republican Party, in that it is constantly obsessed with the fantasy of its own victimhood. I read an article in Guardian that said, here's a quote here, Yellowstone is a show for people who imagine themselves to be John Dutton, that's Kevin Costner's character, embattled, operating with black and white certainty, fighting against a world that demands compromise. I mean, do I need to tell you those people are wrong? I mean, I guess people like that in the United States are embattled, but they've, they've placed the blame on all the wrong people. Black and white certainty is not part of a life when you're an adult. And fighting against a world that demands compromise, again, be an adult. Compromise is necessary. This show is the whiny chronicle of the troubles of the American gentry, people who fly around their massive, lucrative ranches in their helicopters. And it creates such an offensive, and this is, and this is where I'm going to, this is where I'm going to be personal here, as if I'm never not personal on this show. Uh, it creates such an offensive and wrong caricature of city dwellers. And within the first five minutes of the show, they mock San Francisco. I mean, much of the plot of the show is there are outsiders, developers, people want to build a mall, people want to build a condo, people want to build an airport. People are coming to, to go skiing there, to make Bozeman a city, to live there, even though they haven't been there for a thousand years. 
Every outsider is framed as rude, coarse, cowardly, phony. By the fifth season, the woman trying to develop the airport is a screaming clown witch character that just like, I can't believe we're supposed to take this character seriously. Uh, there is a scene in both, both the first episode of season one and this first episode of season five, there's basically the same scene in which Beth is in a bar and she's hit on by some guy who clearly is a rich guy from out of state. And in both scenes, they do this twice. He hits on her and she she rejects him very rudely by describing him to his face as a snob and a sleaze. And in both cases, it turns out she's right. He is a snob and he's a sleaze. And in both cases, he reacts like a petulant five-year-old. He says, fuck you, or calls her a bitch or something like that. There's a line in the first episode, cities are the sunset of civilization, which I think is abjectly wrong. Cities are the motor of civilization. And for an American to frame cities as being in opposition to traditional American values is utterly ahistorical and hypocritical. Speaking of hypocrisy, at his inaugural, so beginning of season five, talk about getting explicitly political, John Dutton is inaugurated as governor of Montana. And at his inauguration, he says, quietly and mournfully, as if he is the fake character that people imagine Donald Trump to be, he says, quote, the message I will send is this. We are not your playground. We are not your haven from the pollution and traffic and mismanagement of your home states. This is our home. If you choose to make Montana your home, you will start treating it like a home and not a vacation rental. The hypocrisy, this is me now, of a white man in Montana saying this would be hilarious if it weren't the basis of an entire destructive ethos in our politics now. This leads me to what you said about Taylor Sheridan trying to you know, give some play to the real Native experience. And I see what you mean, but I think more so they really fetishize the indigenous characters in this. Uh, and Rebecca Onion, here's where I'm going to quote her. She talks about a plot in season one where uh, a bunch of uh, indigenous children lose their parents and one of Dutton's sons and his wife, his wife is indigenous, uh, take the kids in. And Onion writes, uh, the youngest child, who is probably around four or five, is sobbing his heart, out, his heart out, utterly bereft. This native child's pain and trauma is in the story so that we could see Casey's reaction and think about his guilt. Unquote. So the Indians really just exist as archetypes it's to establish a comparison. Yeah. Well, but they do this in tons of American stories. They do this with people of color, that they're not real people. They're archetypes just as a reflection for the white people to show that the white people are real. They're closer to the land as opposed to the other wrong white people. They are the Friday to John Dutton's Robinson Crusoe. Another quote from Rebecca Onion, she says, I watch the show for the soap, for the Western scenery, and as an object of sociological interest. I agree with all that. There are all reasons to watch the show. She says, then every once in a while, a curtain falls to the side, and I realize that I, or more accurately, the person the show imagines me to be, am actually its enemy. So let me tell you, I don't mind being made an enemy by a TV show. I mind when a ridiculous fake version of me and millions of other Americans are made an enemy by a TV show suffused with the hypocritical values of people obsessed with their own incurious 
self-satisfaction. I don't think I could say that better than what you just said. But what I think is also valid is to talk about exactly why the show, um, not why it's popular, but talk about, we're going to get to that, but why exactly it's a success. You know, I I, uh, I did say Sopranos, um, but I think, you know, Dallas, the, you know, the Dallas is more apt. Yeah. If, if you added, Dallas is much more apt. If yes. you added guns, tits, and cussing, that's what this is. Plus the <laughs> Dallas, this is it. Or you know, well, I, but Dallas was urban too. I mean, Dallas was rich. I mean, these people are rich. Dallas was moneyed people. You know, aspiring to being classy. Yeah, but you these know, people the, are the sort idea, of rejecting I think that despite was, their wealth. On Dallas, it was North Fork. I think it was what the ranch was called. It's like that was that was the Ewing family. You know, the power that was their uh, the source of their power came from this large tract of land. Uh, you know, and the, the oil paid for it. How about this? How about you call it shit kicker noir? There's a little bit, it's, you know, it's almost like they, they call it neo-Western. I would call it shit kicker noir, you know. Um, Is it really noir? Uh, there's a lot of darkness to it. There's a lot of, you know what, it, it, the, you know, if it wasn't obvious from what you said too, Noah, this thing is bone dry. There is not a, there is, there is, um, there is dark, rapier, like humiliation humor and the sort of like the cutting nature of someone's express their jibes at each other but there's no humor in this whatsoever this is one of the most humor-free zones i have seen on tv for something that's such a pan yeah. success i think in some ways yeah. that augurs something about how uh, giant audiences can't really handle humor in their entertainment which is why things that did balance <laughs> humor Every, you know, that a more, holi more holistic attempt to, to humor those things haven't really caught on with wildfire, and that's why something like The Sopranos had an infinitesimally smaller viewership. But it, there's, there's no denying that The Sopranos is one of the best shows ever made on TV because it tried any number of things and it, it did them completely ably and superior mm -hmm. to most things. When, and it was funny. And it was. That's what I'm saying. It it, it yeah. did all of the things that a show could do. This does two things. This this is on one or two levels tops. Um, you know, and I, I tell you, I did watch nine episodes. That's eight episodes more than I thought I was going to watch. Because here's the thing. This show is based on a metronome, almost like a mathematical precision. This this speaks uh, of Taylor Sheridan's skill as a creator. And the, think, the thinking that he puts in, the design he puts into the show. Just about every, on, on a clockwork, every single time you feel like the pace troughs a little bit into something small it, it crests up into something dark or violent or weird uh it contradicts it all the time and so you you get into this habit of getting this endorphin hit of action of activity of excitement and you never get a chance to sit back you know you don't sit back and get bored you can't take your eye off the ball because something had all of a sudden a bear wanders onto the screen all of a sudden uh, Rip, you know, the, the cow hand played by um, Cole Hauser. He's got to jump up and like, how, how about a bear? And then it goes to something where the lawyers are talking. Danny Houston starts saying, Danny Houston's developer starts saying something. All of a sudden, Kelly Riley starts talking to Danny Houston and, you know, denigrating him while trying to fuck him at the same time. And it's like, all of a sudden, there's something naughty here, something weird. Mm -hmm. You know, and then it goes you do back. Get, the first episode, you get Kelly Riley's side boob. And she, she she goes naked, I think, in, in episode three or four, too. She's, really? She, yeah, okay. uh, I would say, you know, if, it has, if it's not already obvious, this isn't really charitable to women. There's not a lot of room for <laughs> No, it's not. There's not a lot it's of room really for not. women. Um, but and it, and it plays off, like it plays off native pain, it plays off female pain, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't think I don't think Taylor Sheridan not, not he doesn't not write strong characters and he doesn't not write room for female characters, but there's just not a lot of room here for female. There's only like two women who or three maybe who have like speaking roles on the regular and, and like ten thousand guys with cowboy hats who are all interchangeable. So you know, uh, but you know, just as one last retort, I do think that there are three actors in this show whose who work I'm enjoying a lot. Costner's not one of them because Costner has much like. Um, Jeff Bridges, he, the guys born in Los Angeles who've done the rest of their lives trying to convince us that they're from Montana, which I don't believe for a single <laughs> second. But beyond that, Gil Birmingham, who plays uh, Rainwater, is great. Has uh, been great for years. I like him a really? lot. Really? Yeah. Right, well. Cole Hauser, who plays Rip, is throwing down some old school Tom Berenger energy. I miss that. There's yeah, he was all right. He's he was all right. As a, as, a, as a mean motherfucker, I yeah. bought him. Yeah. The, you need mean yeah. motherfuckers. That's not Cole. Yeah, Cole no, Hauser, that's fine. That's Cole Hauser looks at home on a horse. You know, some of it's acting and some of it's just he's got savoir faire. I really appreciate that. And you know what else I like? The, uh, I don't know if you really... The, the nerdy, white, Eminem-looking cowboy that they branded in the first episode. This, this, uh, his name is Jimmy. Yeah, I didn't get enough of him to really I, judge that. It, it, I mean, I thought his character was very caricature-ish. It was, and I just really enjoy the fact that he never grows out of this runt persona in the first season. Okay, well, really then that's really... good character. Good yeah. development of a, of a mediocre character. And by signing this order, you are signing a declaration of war. <laughs> really? As we speak, they're raping the land our family has bled into for over a century. We're already at war. Why is this show a hit? I mean... Here we go. Uh, well, I, this is obvious, and everyone says the same exact thing. This this is the easiest question in the world. It's popular because it is flyover dead television. This is flyover. a. By the way, I, I as a city person, let me say I'll be the first to say flyover country is a really offensive term. I know it it's is. really dismissive. It's no more work. offensive than what they're saying about cities in, oh, in the text of the show. They're being completely offensive to us, but I will take credit that. We are being offensive to them when we call them flyover sure, people. Okay, but I'm saying this is dad yeah. TV. This is this is maybe the it's the, dad TV this for is sure. One yeah. of the most dad shows ever invented in the history of dads or TV. not my dad, no, but not your dad, maybe no. your dad, probably yeah. my dad. Yeah, wherever he is. Yeah. But th this is a middle American cowboy gun fantasy of billionaire good old boys. Here's the, here's the important part too. This goes back to what you're saying, Noah. Billionaire good old boys disregarding whichever yeah. of society's laws yep. they don't care to obey. Yep. Punching the EPA guy in the face. Yeah. And then... I, I don't care who authorized this. Yeah. this is And this is where I loop it back into. Noah, I, I will I will amend what I said to you in a text earlier. This is The Sopranos with nothing to say about psychology or human behavior. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. So, uh, and, and I'm going to go back into the thing. People aren't looking at this with graph paper the way I did, where they're not trying to read into Taylor Sheridan's mathematically precise storytelling but i mean that is the fact that it it, it is like it, it is almost a netflix mold where it, it, it is compulsive to keep clicking play on the next episode over and over again and eventually that's what i did over the last three days i did not think not I was me keep... not me man I'm but, done. but i would say this though i did watch it at two times speed which helped me get through each episode in 30 <laughs> minutes i do not regret it's that good... yeah for a I got to get in that habit. Yeah, yeah. I got to get in that all right habit. so you tell me why is it popular i, I mean look there's the beauty beautiful land the sex, the soapiness. I mean, soapiness is, look, there's plenty of soapy shows that I've gotten addicted to. Uh, just This show just didn't do it for me. Giant, giant Kraslov melodrama, man. That's how you get huge Yeah, well, well, why not? I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, I used to watch Days of Our Lives, for Christ's sake. Um, it's relatable. I mean, lots of people live in that world. 
right? And they don't see enough of that on TV. And there should well, be more. Actually, type, isn't hypothetically speaking, very few people live in this world. This is an ivory okay. tower, right? Well, they live in. Uh, yes, it's the ivory tower of the world they live in, which is not urban. Let me put it that way. Or they pine for that world, and that should be enough for a show, right? There have been plenty of shows over the years that were about the quote unquote. I don't like the term heartland very much, but it's very clear what I mean. The heartland aesthetic without pushing the political thing. Um, I lost track of it. I guess it's off the air now, but several years ago, I would watch the show Nashville, which was a soap opera about the music industry in Nashville starring uh, Connie Britton, who I think is a terrific actor. And even though they had like a mayor, I remember one of the main characters became mayor of Nashville in that, they still kept the red versus blue kind of thing out of it, which I appreciated. And then you go back to the 60s, and there was that whole uh, rash of shows that were like the country shows. You know, there was Hee Haw and Beverly Hillbillies and Petticoat Junction. Green Acres. And those are very interesting. Apparently, those shows were specifically for people who had left the farm. Like, think about the, all the guys who grew up on a farm and left to serve in World War II and ended up in the suburbs. And by the 60s, when they're dads or whatever, and they, you know, they remember their childhood, and it's nostalgia, and it's... There should be shows like that, and there are shows like that, and there were for a while. A lot 60s. of people don't know. The Adams Family are about the monsters that left their houses and went to the suburbs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they left Transylvania to fight World War II. And, uh, no, but, um, but you know, this show ops, and maybe that's why it's so much more popular than probably Petticoat Junction ever was. This show ops to lean into something that right-wing media has been pushing for 30 years. It feeds the gullets of people who have been fed a diet of perceived victimhood, right? Now, I'll be fair, the American myth, which go, goes back hundreds of years, this idea of the white man, you know, the, 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 the superiority of the white man who was closer to the land. I don't mean like, in this case, racial superiority, although that's part of it. I mean, the white man who's closer to the land is superior to the white man in the city, I mean, that's what Thomas Jefferson used to say, which is part of the reason Jefferson's not my favorite founding father. Um, and there have been a ton of stories about that, right? Uh, I, I realize it's just some moron on the internet, but I was reading um, the Rotten Tomatoes page of this, and one, one reviewer said, he said, I love the show. He said, critics don't like the show because the show is too masculine for them. You know how they get. What's he saying? What's he saying? says that it's wrong for one man to own all this. He says you should share it with all the people. Yeah. This is America. We don't share land here. All right, Noah, would you have liked Jellystone as a child? When I was 22 years old, I went to Yellowstone National Park. and Which is, it's ironic that this is set in Montana, but like 95% of Yellowstone National Park's in Wyoming. A little bit of it's in Montana. A little bit's in Idaho as well. Uh, I, I guess the idea is that it it's on the Wyoming border, so it's next to Yellowstone National Park. Something like that, yeah. Or the ranch. It makes sense because Bozeman is close to there too, so that's the the closest city they talk about. Um, anyway, uh, you know what? I might surprise you by saying I might have been more into this as a kid. Uh, so when I was in college, I wrote my thesis. I studied popular culture, and I wrote my thesis on the history of Batman as a pop culture icon. And one of the points I made is Batman is part of an American heroic storytelling tradition. Uh, some writer said, like, the, the American hero is cold, white, isolate killer. 
And even though Batman doesn't kill, he's effectively a killer because he beats the shit out of people. And he's very white. You know, Bruce Wayne is very white. I've often said if you made Batman a black man, that might be a very interesting story, but he wouldn't be Batman. You know what I mean? I know that doesn't make me sound good. Uh, so I think this is part of that tradition. It's taking it in an unfortunate direction in certain ways. So I can imagine around the time writing my thesis, I might have referenced Yellowstone and thought it's very relevant to this you know, I was reading stories like the leather stocking tales and all this stuff and, and really thinking about the American hero archetype. So I can imagine I would have been more engaged with this, you know, on a scholarly level back, back when I was a scholar. So, yeah, I might be more into it than I am now. I'd probably still hate it. Yeah, I'm the antonym of that because I, I have long memories of, the, uh, of, of Dallas, the aforementioned Dallas in the 1980s, um, which uh, the, the elderly dowager Mrs. Scurry, Noah, my mother, is a huge fan of Dallas. In fact, I can see that. One, I we we bought her the DVDs over the last few years, so she'd have every single episode of this thing she watched through the eighties into the early nineties. You know, Larry Hagman and and, and Patrick um, Duffy and and Charlene Tilton. Noah, these these people from right. the, the days of and, yore. Uh, Barbara. Was Bill- Kathy Lee Crosby Dallas or no? No, she was it's just something. Who's else. the one I'm thinking of? Who played the daughter? Linda Christie. Evans. Who? No, I have no idea. No, Linda Evans was Dynasty. Pam- Who played Christy on Pamela Gray? I don't know. All right, keep talking. I'm okay. going to look this up. Anyway, yeah, th- th- those things were turgid nighttime soaps, which were played, you know, larger than life, like as if Texas was some holy place, Back going back to what you're saying, you know, about this, this sort of American mythology. And since this show has such a sort of mythopoetic, what is it called, mythopoetic? A mythopoetic aim sure. of, about Montana and, th- and that, again, that sense of the purity that only the hard may survive, you know, only the worthy may live here. Um, you know, it, it ignores the fact that that Montana is essentially Palm Springs for billionaires, you know, like per, per, <laughs> per capita. That's it. It's not, you know, cow punch. Well, it doesn't ignore that. It mocks those guys. Right, right. But at the same time, it doesn't exist on camera if it wasn't for those guys. It's like that's the right. reason we well, pay Well, but that's, again, it. my point of cities. You could say cities suck. But good luck making an America, making America, good luck getting America off the ground, let alone making it a world power now if you didn't have cities. But it's like there's nothing in this. It would have been that, you know, Bill's Bane. There would have been nothing in this that, that attracted me to it. It would have just looked like humorless, dry entertainment uh, of a place that, you know, I just I have no great romance, even from a distance. I didn't look at Dallas and think of Texas as this place I wanted to go to. I looked at, you know, it's like, I just don't know what the chemistry of this place is. I feel the same way about Montana to some degree. That's not my favorite biome. Like, I, I look at that as, I, that's not the most beautiful thing on earth. You really got to show me something like sort of turquoise water and sand. Yeah. That's my. I'm not saying it's the most beautiful thing no, on I earth. No, I know, I know. But it's. It's beautiful. Yeah, no, no, but, pe- but part of the, the, the story of this show is that they, they, they're constantly looking at the surroundings and saying, boy, you know, like this will be all yours. This beauty is, you know, God put this. But they're, they're taking it away from us. You got to learn when to think like a lawyer. You understand? And when to think like a landowner. Is the success of Yellowstone in any way a sign of the apocalypse? I want to bring it back down to earth for a second here. I want to say no. Uh, okay. This is the aim. I think this is kind of the goal of Peak TV. Uh, there's been a lot of mission creep for as much TV as there is available right now. And the gigantic engines of entertainment commerce out of Burbank that, that, that make all this stuff, that green light, that look for, you know, uh, casts of people and directors and showrunners and, and, you know, reams and reams and reams of scripts that they just need to go through to make this stuff. 
Um, there's a lot of junk out there, and the streamers have not helped. Streamers are just adding to static, and you know it's like a fucking sandstorm out there. I mean, I would say that this uh, everything, taking into account everything you just said before, Noah, all your caveats, all your dick caveats. Um, you know, this this is <laughs> this is. I think this is this is the point of peak TV. That's funnier than any joke on Yellowstone. Yeah. There's no jokes on Yellowstone, but uh, pretty much this no. show is is creator thumbprint storytelling. It's a non IP based product, which bears the imprimatur of one creative vision. This is most assuredly trash. However, it is solid trash. It is somewhere really? is somewhere in the spectrum between Walking Dead, which I would judge on the bottom end, and something like Justified, which I think Justified, uh, a smaller show that was a pretty big hit among critics, that was good shit kicker noir. That was real good noir. A lot of humor, a lot of love, a lot of violence, a lot of good stuff in it. You know, Justified was like uh, Dashiell Hammett via Elmore Leonard put in Kentucky. And for you know for all those reasons, that show worked. This is somewhere in that the band of the middle where it doesn't have anything too spicy that people can't digest. They don't feel like it's talking down to them. You know, it's aspirational. Well, I think this could be a sign of the apocalypse. You know, I, I, I'll say it again. For all of my problems with this show... The fact is it deserves a lot more critical scrutiny than it's getting. You know, I don't think because it's too manly. <laughs> I think that's, that's not, I don't that's think not that's valid. an issue. I don't think so. Right. But, you know, it's it's been ignored by critics because it is not for them for the most part. I mean, I guess if you were to read newspapers in Montana, the TV critic there is probably talking about it. Um, here's my fear is that, and maybe it has, It'll become a cause celebre among right-wing snobs, and they'll start, you know, I mean, look at the silly reasons people reject, you know, reject American values these days because supposedly, you know, kids are peeing in litter boxes in high schools and Mexicans are giving fentanyl to your children on Halloween. I can imagine some insane scenario where Fox News spends a week saying that it, uh, 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 Yellowstone didn't win any Emmys, therefore... President Biden hates you, you know, and literally I could see people saying like we are victims because um, this didn't get attention. I, I don't think it was a big story, but I remember years ago when American Sniper was out and Fox News was making a big deal how like it wasn't nominated for Oscars. And that means that you are a victim, red stater, you know, that the military is hated by the liberal intelligentsia snobs. And you could say that's a small thing and not quite apocalypse, but it's been added up to this knee-jerk, you know, I'm going to vote Republican because uh, I'm being disrespected and they care about me in a way that, you know, people who actually value the country don't. Uh, so, you know, I think this could be a piece of what's added up to something that's already nigh apocalyptic. So, yeah, I, I, I think... Sounds like a joke, but I don't think it's a joke. I think it's something to take seriously. Every summer, thousands of pleasure-seeking tourists head for the great outdoor playgrounds of America. And the favorite spot is this wonderland of nature called Jellystone National Park. All right, Noah, let's bring it on home. Let's bring it to the ranch, yes. if you will. Let's bring, bring, it, bring it back to the ranch, let's... the size of Rhode Island with its own helicopter. Because we're, we're hillbillies who live on a... Who make billions of... Sorry, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm sorry. Let's round up those doggies, Noah. Bring them to the corral and... Uh, what is it? Ride it hard and put it away wet, as they say. Oh, come on. 
How do you feel in terms of jealousy vis-a-vis Jellystone? <laughs> yeah, let me get even more personal here. I am jealous of Yellowstone because I am jealous of Jellystone because um, I've worked very hard over the years, especially in my adulthood, to shed my own feelings of victimhood. And I'm working very hard at that. And these people get to not only be told that their victimhood is right and correct and valid and patriotic, but they get a self-satisfied TV show feeding off it. So I, I'm, I'm jealous. I, I, I mean, I, I like that I'm trying to grow as a person, but, you know, there's a part of me that can't help but wish my flaws were celebrated and not, you know, holding me back from achieving some of my goals. So there you have it. I looked at the Taylor Sheridan angle of this because, again, I've, I've enjoyed his movie so far. Sicario, he, he didn't direct Sicario, but he wrote it. And Sicario was a great script. Uh, and Hell or High Water, very well directed, very well written. Great cowboy noir story. Uh, you know, that's that's more my thing when it comes to this guy. That's what I appreciate. Uh, so, you know, he pivoted and, and here he goes into this, into this uh, show, this gigantic achievement now. But he mucked it out as an actor. He did competent work as a performer for years, you know, and then gets into this mogul position. Uh, you know, I, I don't think this is inaccurate to say he's, he's a redneck Tyler Perry, like I intimated up front. You know, it's it's hard to look at the guy quizzically. It's hard. No, I'm sorry. It's hard not to look at the guy and quizzically wonder how he did that. Simply because I do know so many urbanites, so many Northeasterners, like Amanda, like James Hancock, uh, who are clearly not Montanans, yet the story hooked them. Sheridan, uh, he must be able to have some accurate tea leaf reading. You know what I mean? It's like that is a real achievement that a lot of people haven't been able to do. Storytelling aside, the fact that it is this this pan-cultural hit uh, among so many different people that you don't expect to get on the same entertainment team. There hasn't been something like this that strikes across so many silos at the same time. But so, I don't think it's pan-cultural in that tons of people in our circuit, uh, our, our circle completely ignored it. I think that... And that, uh, and that it, it, you know, I, I made a reference to it. The Emmys have barely nominated it for anything. It really is being unjustly, if not ignored, avoided by... You know, the intelligence. I think he's been, you know, well, first of all, we just haven't talked to enough people who have, but people are watching it. They're not being vocal about watching it. Like you said, Aaron Uh, watched it. Well, not to us. Not to us. That's what I'm saying. I I think it's bigger than you would think out there. Um, I'm sure it is. But it depends what you mean by out there. In here, it's not very big. Yeah. So, Noah, speaking of which, what about the Felonian scale? The XYZ axis of all things that are popular. So I went back to the last, I think this is, the well, not the last, but a show I remember saying was very soapy, which was Sex Slash Life, oh, right? God, remember yeah. that? I kind of forget we watched that, yeah. I enjoy, I mean, I enjoyed Sex Slash Life more than this. Of, it was because definitely of the, soapy. Because of the sex, not so much because of the slash because life. Because of the sex, not so much because of the life. Yeah. Sarah, what's her name? <laughs> Sha- Shahi. Shahi. Who starred in Black Adam. Yes, she did. One of the best did. about Black yeah, Adam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not just that she was incredibly sexy. It's that she was a good actress, too, I thought. Um, so take sex time, sex life and multiply it. So sex life was like, I think, sort of above zero. Very soapy. It's, it's suffused in soap, drowning in bubbles. And multiply it by something really negative and a little, like, red statey Hillsong Church. Hillsong Church, wow. So you get 
that takes you into the soapy, self-aggrieved territory of Yellowstone. Wow. And what a big territory it is, no less. It tracks the size of Rhode Island, you should say. But they're, but they're real people, you real know? People. These, these billionaires are real people. Oh, I paused. I looked at our list, and I came up with, uh, in terms of my, my analog, I came up with another Taylor, Noah. No less Taylor than Swift? Taylor Swift. Let me explain why. Crazy, crazy mass appeal. Gigantic phenomenon. Yet, not that impressive when you actually take the time to parse it and look at the details. A little bit of a mystifying fan base, um, you know, a little bit of sound and fury and, signifying nothing. And very similar, the top 10 TV shows last week were all Yellowstone spinoffs. Every single one. <laughs> so, it's a all right. Every, tried to make a joke there, but you laughed. You I laughed. It's so there good. you go. Okay, yeah. everybody. If you'd like to find past episodes of this show, look on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet to us, Noah and Bill Show, at Noah and Bill Show. For the time being, again, who knows what's going to go on. <laughs> Twitter might be gone by the time you hear this episode. Oh I finally moved to Instagram. I had never actually. I have an Instagram account for the first time. Oh, I've been. There. I've started using it a little bit more. Just, just to. I know. Yeah, I, know. I did. Out, I don't yeah. do picture-based posts. Anyway, okay. Uh, you could write to us the old-fashioned. No, way. no one wants to. What are you talking about? You do the the cobra. I the just cobra started doing that. All I just, the time. Well, yes, but I, really? I just started right, doing that right. on Insta too. Anyway, it's it's great stuff. We're on Google. What is it? Google Plus. No, we're we're, we're on Ello, and yeah. well, we're on Mastodon now, right? Not we're not. Well, not the show, but not. we personally are on Mastodon. It's true. I have not checked it since we talked about Me Mastodon. No one, Bill, don't get it at gmail.com is the address if you want to write us. Uh, the aggregators give us review because that uh, inspires traffic. It happens to get us in the. You know, it's not going. It's not going to happen. I just answer this every week. Uh, I am on uh, Mastodon <laughs> at William Scurry. Uh, my content, my video content, is on YouTube.com slash amc so you can see all the funny videos and make them ups i made along the way and now here's noah uh visit bigquizthing.com to learn all about the finest in corporate and private trivia events nationwide and worldwide in person or virtual holiday season's coming up we're booking heavily for december it is not too late uh so check us out inquire today and we're also booking for the new year and uh i uh, we are <laughs> we're not really on twitter anymore we're gonna we're gonna re-engage with instagram uh, we are on Facebook, and I personally am starting to play around with Instagram at the Noah Tarno, because at Noah Tarno was already taken, Bill. You believe that? By you? No, I discovered there are two other Noah Tarnos out there, and someone has taken it. They haven't posted anything I could see, but it is taken. So wow. I am the Noah Tarno, because I am the Noah Tarno, and the is one of my favorite words. The cool thing is, is that if you kill them, you'll get their power. I don't need their power. Uh, you may, I'm you, you older may, than them, I think. You may want their power. I don't want their power. One of them looks like a, th a high school theater nerd in uh, somewhere. I couldn't. I couldn't figure it out. Anyway, uh, I'm on Instagram at the Noah Tarno and BigQuizThing.com. That's really all you need to know about me. All right, everybody. So until the next self-pitying, gun-obsessed episode of this podcast, we, we don't, don't get, get it. it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises, 2022.